1: Everybody and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCfootball.com. I'm host, Keely or joined by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. We have a lot to talk to you guys about. We're fresh off the road. We were all in Tempe, Arizona, so we're back. We'll talk about our observations from USC's loss in the desert. We also got to talk about interim head coach Dante Williams and his presser on Sunday night, what well, we heard from him. And going forward, USC's two quarterback system, what do we think about this? I think we have a lot of thoughts. I'm sure Ryan Abraham does. He wrote a column about it tonight. So I'm sure we'll probably get a Ryan tuned. So Are you stay pointing to, to yourself here?
2: Like, yeah, this is me.
1: <laughs> it's like a thumbs down and at him at the same time. Uh, we, so we got a lot to talk about today. Make sure you put your comments, questions, and concerns wherever you're watching, whether that is YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. You can also call us, five one two four 4 tunnel We're taking calls today. Make sure you keep your calls brief. And then you have a question for us. We love that from you guys. Brief. You can Question. also, yes, you can also tweet hashtag television. I'll put up your, your tweet on the screen. And, and we're also putting up your questions on the screen, so make sure you do that as well. But guys, like I said, a lot to talk about tonight. I guess first off, Dante Williams, Sunday night presser. What was the, the news from that call tonight?
3: Yeah, so not a ton, I guess, was going on there. Uh, there was some news about the, you know, obviously people talking about the two quarterback system. If you were if you watched the press conference from last night, probably about half the questions were about playing two quarterbacks. Uh, What Dante Williams revealed uh, this evening was that both of his quarterbacks were banged up. So yesterday we learned last night we learned it was a a hand issue for Jackson Dart, um, and you know that was suffered during the game. So that's why he was supposed to come in after the half uh, and did not. He had told the ESPN Southern reporter that Jackson Dart was going to come in and he didn't. Uh, but then he came back in later, so uh, that was all kind of weird. Uh, but also, Keaton Sylvus had some sort of lower leg uh, injury as well. And we talked to, I talked to Keaton after the game, didn't say anything about not, you know, uh, feeling well. But I think Dante Williams was f- sort of focusing on the number of injuries that they've had. You know, having a couple offensive linemen be banged up. Uh, you know, both quarterbacks. Um, he's, I don't want to say that was like kind of an excuse, but he's just saying like, yeah, we're losing a bunch of bodies. And it was a really talented ASU team, and it, it caught up with us. Um, so that was kind of the big thing, that finding out Keaton Slovis was uh, injured a little bit. I asked him if he felt that Keaton Slovis was losing confidence, um, because it's one of those things where we've seen Keaton Slovis play well in the second half of games, in the fourth quarters of games. And, I mean, it was pretty egregious. USC was right in this game. It was a one-point game. And their final four drives were three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. And that was a mixture of both quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, Dante Williams didn't say it was, it was something that was hurting uh, his confidence at all. I uh, felt like he still had a grasp of the offense and everything. But, I mean, I, we'll get into that kind of rant later. But, yeah, I, I definitely would disagree with that statement. But anything else kind of stand out? For the press conference,
2: no, I think him saying oh, both of them were banged up, and that's why they went with one or another. You know, he said, you know, they they went with Keaton to begin with, and he said, well, Jackson was getting checked out. It sounded like well, he's got to wait to hear from the trainers and that type of thing. It just just seemed like there's, it's, I don't, it feels like when I, I talked to Graham Harrow after the game, and he's, I asked, you know, did you continue the same pattern as you had last week? Yes. <laughs> so, he didn't mention anything about guys being banged up or anything. So, either there's a lack of communication, which is quite possible. Yeah. They and on the like just in, on the field, they're just not communicating on this person's banged up whatever, letting people know. There's lack of communication in figuring out your story <laughs> that you're going to tell, um, or there's just, you know, a divide. And any of those situations is not good. You know, you need to have good communication. A great team, great teams have great communication. This team does not have that right now. No, whether it be you know just getting your story straight on what whatever you're you're going to give the narrative you're going to give for the media or for fans about whether it be a two quarterback system or anything, Um, you know, a lot of times. The, the, like the Nick Saban, and you now granted, Nick Saban doesn't allow anyone to be interviewed, so that helps a lot. <laughs> but that type of narrative, those type of narratives and stuff are discussed, and everyone is kind of on the same page where it doesn't feel like this team is on the same page when they're discussing things, uh, the way they go about things, you know, how they've come to these decisions. You know, you talk to Dante, talk to Graham Harrell, you talk to the players, and you might get two or three different stories about how these things came about, you know, whether it was, the Friday night, right before they found out that they were how they were going about, like that, that needs to be decided earlier in the week. Yeah, you need to have the communication. You know, they did find out earlier in the week that both of the guys were going to be playing the, the quarterbacks, both knew earlier, and you know, Dart is cleared. You saw him run a little bit more. Um, you know, it just, but you know, Keaton Slowis, when I talked to him, he sounded like more
3: he like when we talked to the guys last week after the Arizona game, it seemed like everyone didn't seem like they were on the same page. I saw Kim Slovis get coached up a little bit before he did the interview, and he didn't say anything controversial as far as like, oh, yeah, no, everything was fine. Like, this is what we were going to do. Like, I, I felt like... They at least sort of coached that up uh, a little bit. Well, so they did that on
1: Tuesday too during, uh, Dante was talking, uh, to the media and off to the side, uh, Keaton was getting coached up as well. So there's a lot of coaching happening. I'm catching in the corner of my eye when Yeah, it happens, I Yeah. Mean,
3: but... You could say like, eh, I don't know. I didn't get to talk to Dart, um, but if, if it was the same sort of thing, but it, I didn't, you didn't get the, like, after the Arizona game, you got the impression like, I don't think these guys knew what the heck was going on. And I, I think, I mean, obviously it's been another week and people kind of knew, but it, it seemed like they had their stories a little more, straight but then when you don't play well and you get injuries and things are going on then it's a, you know then you're not really sure what to say I think
2: and like I said there there's either just actually having good communication and you know informing everyone beforehand or coaching everyone up and having <laughs> communication there but like there's a divide uh, along the way it feels like and whether it's just because they're not playing well and no one wants to buy into that and you know you're not all taking the same message or whatever it may be they're there is are some issues there um, with the communication and figuring out this whole system. You know, is it going to just be okay? Two drives, two drives. At one point, Dante apparently said, "You know, he's going to go with the hot hand." At one point, he said he was going to go with dart. dart. Um, and he said he was asked about you know the hot hand comment tonight, and he said no one really had the hot hand. And that's true. That's true. No one was good. But
1: how much of that is due to? Just a rotation. I mean, a, a lot was made about rhythm, getting in rhythm. I asked Graham Harold directly, would you prefer to play one quarterback? And he did mention how it is hard getting a quarterback in a rhythm, but he said, you know, we have two talented players and we want to get them playing time. But it just seems like both guys could not get into the swing of things on Saturday.
3: 100%. And this, is this a good time for the
2: rant, Keeley? We- right,
1: let's go for it. Let's go, <laughs> okay. Ryan. Oh, no. Here we go. Yeah. Like, Strapping so everyone. I mean,
2: <laughs> stretching, not- this should is the uh, No, yeah. it's just
3: okay. <laughs> this is horrible. All right. Like the old adage is, and people have tweeted us this, they've talked about it, is if you have two two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And that is I mean, for the most part, it's true. You go back and look at things. If you remember USC, the year Lane Kiffin got fired in 2013, you know, Matt Barkley retires the year before, he retires, he moves on to the NFL. Uh, Max Wittek started uh, the Notre Dame game uh, in his absence that year when he was hurt for a game. Uh, but Cody Kessler and Max Wittek, they, they um, compete throughout spring football. The summer workouts, we would be out there at summer workouts. They're competing in that. Fall camp, you know, okay, at this point, you've had months and months of these guys competing. What's going on? They both came in the same recruiting class, a little different than what you're seeing with USC um, this year. And Lane Kiffin still couldn't make a decision, and he plays both guys. And they go to Hawaii and they win comfortably, but then they come home and they lose to a what eventually end up being a six and seven Washington State team that was run by Mike Leach. And, Thirteen to nine. Yeah, it was ten seven, I think, or whatever. Was Thirteen to nine was, was uh, that's UCLA. Oh, sorry, my Yeah, ten. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad off. Ten seven. The only and the only touchdown was a, a, a Cody Kessler like scramble, just like the only touchdown yesterday was a Jackson Dart scramble. So but. many
2: bubble screens that yeah so it was
3: bad and then he ends up starting the next week against boston college or whatever but you know that was not a good start to the season and everyone kind of wanted you know link lane kiffin fired the year before uh he ends up getting fired on the tarmac after the arizona state game a few games later so obviously that was a disaster um there's plenty of examples of just being awful there's a couple of times it's been good and the thing is what i've seen like Who's done it well? Like Steve Spurrier used to do it. He didn't, want to, he didn't care who the quarterback was half the time. And sometimes it was that would screw him up too because you're dealing with these egos and emotions and all that stuff. But he's a, obviously an offensive – he's a brilliant mind. He's won national championships. He won the Heisman Trophy himself. Like you trust that guy if he wants to run two quarterbacks, go redhead. Urban Meyer, same thing. He's done it at Florida. He's done it at Ohio State. He had a third-string quarterback win a national championship at Ohio State. These are people that you're like, all right, if that guy who's a freaking guru – wants to run the two-quarterback system. He's an offensive dude. That's fine. You have Dante Williams, who's an interim head coach, who's a defensive guy trying to run a two-quarterback system. This is not going to work. This is horrific. This is the worst thing you could possibly do. I've said, this is the one thing that I would say, Clay Hilton needed to be fired when he was fired. He should have been fired before that. But if Clay Hilton was the head coach yesterday, USC wins that game. Because Clay Hilton's not going back and forth. He's going to be loyal to Keaton Slovis, And I know there's a lot of people out there that hate Keaton Slovis, and he's the worst, and Jackson Dart would save everybody. No, Jackson Dart looked like crap yesterday, too. He threw one pick and should have thrown two. One was called back for a face mask penalty. Um, Both guys were bad. They played a good defense yesterday. That's what happened. You just had a good defense. This wasn't Washington State. This wasn't Arizona. This was a good defense. And both quarterbacks didn't look good. But if you stuck with one of them, just any one of them. You just flip a coin, and that's the one you stick with the entire time. USC wins that football game. Arizona State was circling the drain. They are not a good football team right now. They were struggling. They turned the ball over three times. USC couldn't tackle. And it was still a one-point game. And that's what we talk about. USC goes three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. Like, how do you do that at the end of the game? And so this, to me, is it's a travesty. Like, you need to nuke the two-quarterback system today. Dante Williams said last night he wasn't sure if it's working. Guess what? It's not working. It's horrific. You want to try to make a bowl game? You want to try to get to the LA Bowl or whatever it is? got to scrap the two-quarterback system now. Rip the Band-Aid off. I really don't care who you pick. It's Keaton Slovis. Fine. If it is, maybe you put Dart in for a couple packages every once in a while. Or you want Dart? Sorry, Slovis, you're sitting down. Uh, we're going to play Jackson Dart. He's the future, and we're going to go with him for the last three games. Like That's the only way you're going to win any of these games is by playing one, du- one dude. Playing two quarterbacks, neither one of them getting a rhythm. They both look like crap. There's no way you're going to win games. So, this is just completely dumb. One of the worst football decisions I've seen. Stop doing it, nuke it right now, and play one guy. That's it.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was
3: unprepared, by the way. I just wanted to, like, go off. So just, like, off the top of my Wait,
2: you didn't have that on a prompter? <laughs>
3: there's no prompter. There's nothing. I mean, I wrote the column. Go check it out on uscfootball.com. But you just kind of got the, the gist of it. Right
1: I feel there. like out of all the things for you to really go off on, this is kind of – I don't know if this is worth it. It but... just makes me
3: mad. A, and the, the thing that's really upsetting is that there's so many people that are just hating on Keaton slovas shotguns and apologists or whatever. I literally think either one guy – either of those guys could have started this game and if you just let them play – You get into a rhythm. In the fourth quarter, you don't go three and out, three and out, three and out interception. You actually have something moving. The run game wasn't working because Arizona State has a really good defense and USC's offensive line isn't very good and banged up. But you needed the quarterback to win the game for you. Like, USC should have stopped running the football. Early on, then they started running on third down. Third and eight. they ran the football. They did fourth down. They tried to run key. So just stupid stuff. You shouldn't have been running the football at all. Arizona State should have never thrown another pass in the game. It was completely the opposite. <laughs> and both coaches are not good. This was a very poorly coached game on both sides. But if you just had one quarterback, let him throw the football around, try to find those receivers, you'd have been okay. And I think USC would have won the game. That's just my personal opinion. And that's what I'm sharing with you guys.
2: I don't know if you can put it all on just the two-quarterback <laughs> system. I mean, they went three and out, three and out, three and out because they couldn't catch the ball. That was part of it. Couldn't hold on to the ball. You're not creating a ton of separation as wide receivers. You're not scheming them wide open. So regardless of which quarterback was in there, it's not like there was a wide-open target and they missed him. That's not what really happened. Now, some of the throws were a little bit behind, and maybe that plays into rhythm and being able to throw the ball and you know assessing where the defense is going to be, that type of thing. That plays into it, but the offense, as a in total, just there's no flow. Yeah. You know, it, the, the two quarterback system doesn't help. You know, no. and it, but how many times have we said this season? there's no, they don't have the rhythm, they don't have the flow, or they can move the ball to the 40 and then everything falls apart because they were in Arizona territory five times. Five times. You, you can't come away with what 16 points, you can't be averaging you know, just over three points a trip into opponent's territory, you have to punch the ball into the end zone. It's been an issue all season. Yes. So I don't think you can just say it's just the two quarterback system. If one quarterback was in there, would they suddenly have scored touchdowns? Because that's an issue that's been prevalent all season. I don't think they'd be amazing
3: with just one quarterback, but I think they would have done enough to win the game. It's still been pretty be. bad. I mean, the other part of this is you better be really freaking good at your job if you want to be able to run these two quarterbacks. Like, neither one of them. <laughs> and – you don't have your best weapon. Like you could do a two quarterback system. You could do a three quarterback system if you have Drake London out there potentially, because he can erase a lot of the issues.
2: The fact that he wasn't there and you're still running two quarterbacks, I mean, it's just mind boggling to me. And people have asked about different two quarterback systems. Coley, obviously, our, our no, official Notre Dame uh, fan on the the show, talked about Notre Dame. But they're doing Jack Cohn and uh, Cohen and Tyler Buckner, and they had three quarterbacks at one point this season. But I think what they did, in, at least in that USC game, is they called plays for each quarterback. It was a, it
3: was a package for him, right? You know? Yeah,
2: and he was coming in at individual times, not, hey, you're getting two drives, see what you can do. <laughs> yes. Um, which is what I think would be the best case scenario for USC if they want to continue playing them. I think personally is to have a dart package, specific stuff you want for him. Third down, you see you have a third and two, you run him into the game, and hey, then you run the read option. Teams are on their, heel, on their uh, toes trying to figure out what they're going to do, and you can throw it with him. You can do different things with him. I think that's the best-case scenario. But one way or the other, if that's not what you want to do, then you need to just, like you said, rip the band off and, and go one or the other. Uh, yeah. That I mean, I think that's best for the team. And obviously, when you play two quarterbacks like this, and you got one young guy, one older guy. You start that divide in the locker room gets yeah. bigger and bigger as as it continues. And saying, "Oh, we got to do this." Like there's people in the locker room probably saying, "We got to play dark. We got we need his running ability. We need him to do this." Or other guys are saying, "We got to play slow. He's got one's got these. He's got to see these run plays. He's doing all this other stuff uh, that maybe you don't see when you're just just seeing the snap of the play." I don't know the answer. Um, I just I tried telling you guys on Thursday that I didn't think the offense was going to look good. <laughs> I've tried telling you that Jackson Dart isn't necessarily the savior right now. That it's not all Keaton Slobis' fault. Um, because there was a lot of issues with this offense. And that goes drops. Getting open. Outside of Drake London, there's been a lot of issues. You talked about the run game and you said the offensive line wasn't good. When there's eight guys in the box and there's five offensive linemen, you're not going to Be able to block those guys. And that was one of the issues. Talking with a couple of the offensive linemen, they thought they did okay. They said they needed to do better, which you want them to say that. And I haven't rewatched the game closely yet to be able to tell. But a lot of the times, you know, they're blocking their five guys, they felt like, and they're getting their blocks. And maybe they're not the best blocks, the greatest, but they're not pancaking out all five of their defenders or whatever. But the extra runner, the extra guy that's in the box, because that's what they were doing stuff in the box, is the guy that's coming and making the play. Yeah, and they felt like that guy was in position a ton, and he was the one making the play. Whereas when he was out of position, or if he was trailing the play, and they were able to get you know that zone run, and he gets kind of st- stuck in traffic a little bit, that's when they were able to get some big runs. And I think I, I tweeted this yesterday, and some people were, didn't approve, didn't agree with me. But instead of it being a Slovis versus Dart thing with this offense, I think it was a when USC could run the ball a little bit versus when USC couldn't, the drives where they ran, where they picked up some first downs running the ball, they had a 26 yard run, I think it was to Ingram. They scored on that drive. When they couldn't get the run going and they were in negative yardage plays, that now you're putting even more pressure on those quarterbacks, and that it just wasn't that wasn't the case. You put more pressure on the quarterbacks and on the wide receivers now on third and eight or third and twelve. Hey, get open down the field, even though they know you're going to throw the ball, and. That, that's not the way this offense is going to succeed without um, without Drake London in there.
1: Well, jumping into that, what is this offense without Drake London? We obviously knew that USC was g- going to rely on its run game, Keontae Ingram, a lot. But I think ASU expected that as well. What can this team g- do going forward when teams are just going to key on their run game?
3: I think uh, RJ Abadia uh, was the one that came up with this stat. Like, So since the time Drake London went down, USC has 18 offensive possessions and it scored one touchdown. That's actually
2: um, not true, though, because they scored right after he got hurt too. He forgot that one after oh, okay. halftime, following so, Drake London's so injury. Because the fu- oh, the half- they okay. scored the very first drive afterwards, the two minute drive. Keen Slovis throws it to Gary Bryant. Oh, okay. But besides that, since then, and since maybe you could say since you know Arizona was able to make an adjustment, saying, "Oh, Drake London's out there." With teams preparing
3: for no Drake for a London.
2: no Drake London, yeah, one touchdown in what seventeen or eighteen drives. Yeah,
3: and that's you know that was a forty three you know forty three yard drive. And everyone's like, Dart scored that touchdown. I was like, okay, well, he did throw an interception on that drive that was called back for a face mask. He completed two passes for ten yards on that drive. Now he did run it in. He did get the uh yeah. he got the eight-yard uh you know zone read keeper on that one. So that was nice. But it wasn't like he engineered this great drive. It was, you know, half of the drive was basically penalty yards and and the rest was run. So I mean, you know, it's just like that was sort of a okay. We're going to give you the ball on the other side of the field, and yeah, you got a touchdown, which was nice. But what
2: you're supposed to do?
3: That's so the only did, touchdown they're supposed the, to do on in that. the last six quarters or whatever. Like that's you know that's not good. so.
2: Chris Trevino and I recorded a podcast in the car on the way back today. I love that. It's, I love Carcast. It like, could be absolutely terrible. Who knows? The audio is you know if you're an audio snob, maybe that's not for you because uh, you know we did it while driving 75 miles an hour or whatever. But he mentioned this stat. USC okay. had three turnovers yesterday. I don't. I don't know the last time they had three turnovers. Maybe San Jose State. Fourth,
3: fourth three turnovers. Yeah, four three yeah.
2: turnovers. They got three points out of that. You can't. There's. You can't win your defense. Okay, the defense can't tackle. We know that they're giving up explosive plays, but they're at least getting you the ball back three extra times, three extra possessions. If you go and score on those possessions. That's 17 extra points. Yeah. They scored three touchdowns, 17 extra points. Is t- well, they got t- one t- touchdown off the
3: fumble. They did get the touchdown off the fumble.
2: Touchdown? Oh, I thought it was a field goal off the fumble. Yeah, they got the t- okay, that was so, the touchdown. Yeah. So they got seven points off of three three drives. Yeah. But they scored on all three of those? 21. So that's 14 ah. extra points. You know, if you, you make the extra points, then I mean, you go for two or whatever. You're right. Go for two on one of those and it's a tie game. Go for two on both of them you you win. But – that's the difference. You've got to take advantage of opportunities and USC's just not doing that. Yeah. Whether it be on offense, whether it be on defense, you have a chance to get off the field, fourth and three, you give up a slant. You know, you have a chance on a third and eight, you give up a pass. You know, these type of things that they're doing on that's on the defense side. On the offensive side, plenty of third and man manageables that they didn't pick up. Uh, you know, fourth and three, Keaton Slovis had an open in Taj Washington, not a you know, not wide open, but if he throws it to the right side of him. Uh, to, to Taj's left, Keaton's right, more so than the other way. You know that might be a completion for a first down instead of an interception it was fourth down, so it didn't really matter as far as the interception or incompletion. But these are the things that this offense and this defense, this team as a whole, are not doing. Yeah, they don't take advantage of opportunities, and it's just continuous the same mistakes over and over.
3: And that, you know the defense gave up. You know they tackled poorly, gave up some big plays, but. They didn't give up a third down conversion, I think, until the fourth quarter. Like, it might have been late third or early fourth or something. Um, They, you know, they would give up some big plays on first and second down. But when they got into third down, they were able to get off the field. They did force a few three and outs, like three turnovers, like Shotgun mentioned. And it was a one-point game, and then you know it, the USC offense needed to do something, and at that point it just kind of shut down, and Arizona State was able to run down the field. So it was just it's a it was a poor effort uh, overall, but I don't think USC did itself any favors by playing the two QBs.
2: And, and another thing, I just there's no belief in this team. You know, maybe maybe Ted Lasso needs to make an appearance or something, a Halloween costume. Someone needs to show up or something, tape up something on the wall, but. They're down by eight points, and there's no life on the sideline. Remember last year, they're down, even though there's no crowd in the stands. Yeah, you you still felt like they were coming. To be like, oh man, they scored a touchdown. And you're like, they got get an onside kick. That's never happened. But they were the sideline was going wild after the touchdown. The sideline was going crazy after the onside kick, and then obviously Drake London with the amazing catch over the middle on fourth down. But yesterday is just, I didn't feel the life there, you know. And I thought Arizona State's student section came out really well, even though they were very vulgar. Um, I tweeted out some of those, but, uh, you know, I thought their crowd was pretty good. And a lot of times when you're in an atmosphere and everyone's against you, that's when you, you know, you get some life. But Fire it up. I don't know if it's because of the two quarterback system or because they weren't moving the ball at all in the, in the fourth quarter. They just didn't seem to be a lot of life. There was some disinterested players on the sideline and stuff, you know, so it, it, it wasn't a great scene for USC. And unfortunately, I don't see how this team recovers with the way they've been playing. Yeah. You know, it, they could easily win two games and become bowl eligible. But do you really think they're going to? I mean,
3: Cal's more legit team now than they were before. I think USC is like a one and a half point favorite right now. They've they've looked better. They've scored. I mean, they they played this ASU team more recently and scored a bunch of points. Or I think. No, wait, is that, I got that wrong. They've they've scored a bunch of points. I uh, recently they scored more against like or they played Oregon State. I think the previous week, and part of the reason why Tim Tepesar got fired, their defensive coordinator, um, but. Yeah, I mean, Cal's Cal Kyle was pretty
2: bad early on. They were also terrible yesterday. Now, granted, they were out a bunch of players. They lost they had to Arizona
1: forty-four scholarship players. Yeah,
3: they lost all those scholarship players and stuff. They
1: but, didn't even chase Garbers.
3: Yeah, their quarterback, three offensive linemen, three coaches. Like, I'm not going to begrudge them for that. But okay. they they scored a whole bunch of points against Oregon State the week before and then beat them around. Um, so, yeah, okay, they got crushed last week. And maybe USC gets lucky, and Cal has a bunch of guys out still because of all the you know city of Berkeley you know, uh, protocols or whatever. But uh, this, I mean, yeah. Like, if USC plays like they played yesterday, they will not win a game the rest of the season.
1: I mean, but how was yesterday different besides the drake London factor? I feel like it's kind of uh, the same formula we've seen this whole season.
3: Uh, I mean, I th- I think the, the two-quarterback thing was big. Uh, the Defensively, there was some spark. There was a little bit at times, but there was just other times it was just like, oh my God, there's just wide open holes uh people not you know containing the edge and um you know to, to another record setting performance i think of some Arizona State's uh, Richard White like it was like the the second most like it was some you know whatever his 200 whatever yards they should have ran him more he could have had more yards than that but uh, it was some kind of record i forget what it was i'm sorry it was some kind of Pac-12 thing um yeah th- that's that's bad like those are all kind of bad stuff but i think it's sort of par for the course uh, of what you've seen from from USC but that it just didn't look, Keely to me like it was as many, like, shining moments. At least you would have some offensive moments that were like, okay, there's that going. And without Drake London, yeah. those moments aren't there. And we saw them with, you know, Keontae Ingram the week before, even when, you know, the when London was out. Was like, Ingram still was running like crazy and had his, you know, stuff called back. Arizona State took away the run. So they became a very... Uh, there just wasn't anything special about this team. And we've at least... When USC loses and they lose spectacularly, they'll still have special moments. They'll still have some things you're like, oh, okay, they can do that or they can do this. I, I don't know what you were looking at. You're saying like, oh, they're they're good at that, you know? It's
1: even Alfred with two interceptions.
3: I mean, that was yeah, like some some spark on defense. Um, yeah. but
2: but there's not a glimmer of hope.
1: And I think that's yeah. a product of what the situation this team's in right now. You know, you fire your coach week three and it just doesn't go your way what do you really, where's the spark in that sense? You know,
3: there could have been because Dante Williams is a very popular guy, you know, and he could have provided that spark, but I'm not seeing it. You know, the reason you bring a guy like that in is because like, he's got a great relationship with all the, the players and he's recruited all those guys. And, you know, we're going to do accountability. We're going to, you know, you can't walk over the logo. Like all that stuff in the beginning was like, cool. Remember when everyone was talking about like, what if he wins out and they win national championship? Will they keep him? and like, Oh, yeah. Well, that was a long time ago.
2: Yeah, but it's the same thing. What if Clay Helton wins, you know, yeah, the undefeated this year? I mean, and we said there were some deficiencies, but none of us really thought they would be this bad yeah. the way they yeah. played. Yeah,
3: this. I mean, like, I think what you were talking about, the fractured locker room when there's different... I mean, that's... You thought that Dante Williams could kind of bring everyone together. If you've never talked to any player or any coach and you just looked at it from the outside, you wouldn't go... Yeah, that team's all together. Like they're all on the same page. Like there's obviously a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people with their oars in their water and they're paddling in different directions. And it's just that's that's the way it is. it, it would be an almost impossible task to ask Dante Williams to get everyone, you know, going in, the, in, in for the team, everyone together. Yeah. Um. It's just that's just not happening right now. So it's yeah. You can't asking your interim head coach to coach for ten games. And it's not one of the coordinators. You promoted someone from, you know. So there was just so much turmoil that was going on. Like we said a million times, the the adults in the room failed these these kids, which is unfortunate because I feel like you got to give them as much hope as you can and try to get to a bowl game, whatever you want to do. And they're just not doing a good job coaching right now. And uh, the way it's going, Keely, they're they're not going to be in a bowl game.
1: Yeah, it does not look good in that sense. I have one more question, and then I'm going to jump into some callers. Yeah, let's do full, all the callers
3: and questions. Yeah, so let, yeah, we have them, a full. Q. Let them rant.
1: Just a uh, big picture question. Oh, let him rant. Ask a question. Ask okay. a question. Yeah, right. Ryan, you're the only rantor on the show. Okay. Um, I know this might be a moot point just because Dante Williams is an interim head coach right now, but does it maybe impact future recruiting or culture if? a third-year starter like Keaton Slovis can kind of have a situation like this happen without really clear uh, reasoning behind it?
2: I don't think it hurts recruiting. I mean, maybe it hurts, you know, if this staff is currently recruiting people, but, um, you know, I don't think it hurts recruiting because... Even a new staff is going to come in; they'll put their own spin on everything. But also, the coaches that are there now say, "Oh, we're just trying to play. You know, we'll play you as freshmen if you're the best guy. Then we'll play you." Yes. So I think that actually would help recruiting there. Um, you know, I don't loyalty doesn't get you very far in recruiting necessarily. As far as loyalty to older players, you know, they want to see will you play freshman if the, and you can sell it as we play the best player. So you know, there's no bias there. It's not you know. You're the love of my life, type of thing.
3: Right. If you screwed over a guy somehow, like from modern day, like that might be hard to get. Modern that's day a little players. different
2: because then it's the head coaches. Yeah. You know, when you screw over someone, and that's not normally that's more often. Co- high school coaches have an issue. You screw over someone and say, "Yeah, we're going to take we're going to take you," and then be like, "Don't send a yeah. letter of intent to the person to sign."
3: But if it's like thing. you know, hey, you know, uh, we're going to really we're going to play Sam Darnold over Max Brown, and it's like, well, Sam Amish like we're never going to send a player there again. It's like, no, Sam Darnold ended up being pretty amazing, you know. So like, there's, but if you really felt like the player was screwed over, then there could be some submissions. I don't think it's going to be a major impact on. Recruiting, plus you're going to come in and it's like this was a mess. Like Whoever the next head coach is, like, well, you had the offensive coordinator. The head coach probably weren't on the same page. Um, they started playing two quarterbacks. All this weird stuff was going on. We're going to come in there and fix everything. So I, I don't think it would have some kind of long-term effect.
1: Alrighty, Let's jump into some callers. First one is James from Boulder, I believe. Hello, you're live on television.
0: Hey, hi, gang. Uh, this is uh, James. Hey, uh, um, I love your show. Always uh, try to try to listen to it or watch it. Hey, uh, I was at the game. Um, uh, boy, I agree. Bad game, poor play. Uh, bo- I mean, both teams, ASU's offense, uh, their passing game. Uh, I actually think, I mean, it was interceptions, two interceptions, but the ball, Daniels threw the ball at, 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 right at the SC player. I mean, the, the Trojan player. So it was like, he was really bad. Um, I mean, the product was terrible. It was it was almost embarrassing to watch the game live, and it's like, wow, you paid real money for this. A couple other observations: the TV timeout seemed very long, and there were a couple times when USC was moving, and then the long TV timeout it just it took a lot of momentum, uh, I thought, away from them. Um, um, have a question? I would James? say. W- w- <laughs>
3: this is the question part of the show one other
0: observation (laughs) one other other observation I think I think Dante did not take two timeouts at the end of the game he left two timeouts and just like you said there's three, four minutes left take a timeout figure out what you're going to do I think there was two timeouts at the end of the game he didn't take
3: well, thanks. Um,
0: um, one, one last thing. Oops, sorry.
3: Cut okay, sorry. Yeah. sorry, okay. James. Yeah, that's what we, we'd rather have a question than a, a whole bunch of observations. But thank you, James, for the thoughts there. Uh, I don't remember if they. I mean, by the, that point, it just seemed like it was. It didn't matter. That I mean, much. If you're
2: down 15, and they have the ball. They got the ball back with 57 seconds left. So even if they did have two timeouts, I, I, yeah. I can't get the official word here. But if they have two timeouts, they got the ball back with 57 seconds left. You call a timeout after two kneel downs the clock still going to run out. Yeah,
3: I think if Dart would have scored on that last drive, he threw the pick, you know, it was like 4th yeah. and 10 or whatever, and he ends up throwing the pick. Then, yeah, those would come into play. Um, they did use a timeout in the first quarter on defense, which seemed a little strange. But, I mean, that's not strange for USC. They've been doing that a uh, bit. But that, it seemed like they saved them a little bit better in the second half. But, unfortunately, James, by the time it got to that point, it was, it was out of hand. I don't think the timeouts were going to help.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our next caller who – I think knows the drill. It's Dave from Iowa. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision.
4: How's it going, Tunnel Vision? Well, I just want to let everyone know that the lonely hawk uh, or the lonely Trojan in the field of corn and Hawkeye actually watched the USC versus ASU game. I made it. I made it out there, and yeah, you know, I agree with James. But the two things I have to ask you, you know what? Uh, I believe Harvey Hyde uh, talked about this last week with Ryan, the number one player in the country, Corey Foreman. He's just sitting on the bench, and he seems like a situational, situational player right there. So, you know, like, come on. I mean, Dante Williams, Vic Suoto, are they confident in actually playing the guy? And then, too, um, or... You know what? I'll be
1: generous and just leave
3: it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I appreciate Thanks, it. Dave. If you're at the game, yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, hopefully, if you guys are going to be there, let us know. We yeah, can see I want to
1: see who your faces look I gotta,
3: like. So, we. you know, I do the podcast of Champions, the Pac-12 podcast, and I met one of – I had a, a buddy that lives in Arizona. I stayed with him and his wife. He's a USC fan. She's an ASU fan. And I asked some of the Arizona State people that listen to the podcast if they had a tailgate, and so Lobo Jangles – uh on twitter like had us over to his tailgate it was great that. yeah it was very cool and then i i, I couldn't stay long because i had to go into work but uh i had a beer with those guys before the game it was fun and uh go in there so but hopefully you had a good time at the the game Dave. so cory was playing um he do to a ton not a ton i would say sometimes it's on the player too not just the coach you know we can blame the coaches a lot but there's i don't know i don't know what do you guys think about
2: I mean, it's the same thing. We've discussed this. I feel like I had nauseam. Uh, Vic Soto gets asked about it a lot. Todd Orlando gets asked about it a lot. And Vic Soto basically says the same thing every time. you got to practice to play. That's it. You, yeah. gotta, like, I you talk, didn't put
3: pads on the week before, yeah, the, Arizona week game, before right? the Arizona game. last week before the
2: Arizona game, because I asked him, why didn't you not play until the second half? He said, well, he hadn't put pads on. So, you know, he wasn't necessarily – you know he wasn't going to be the first guy to go in you know if you haven't had pads on all week and you know we talked about this was the the family Feud pod, or whatever last time i don't remember some podcast something last week but it talked about it and said you know there's been times when he gets in there and on the read option you know he's chased the he's chased the running back and the quarterback's gone that's happened one or two times so you know when teams are identifying different players to, to run at and different players to be the guy they key off of Okay, well, they, they create different looks. The blocks are different and those type of things. Every reading option is not exactly the same, in case you guys were wondering. Um, so when that happens, well, it helps to have seen it in practice to know what my assignment is going to be. So you guys may look at it and say, well, he's super talented. They need to just throw him out there. But the coaches need him to be able to do his job when they go out there. And that's the same thing they've been saying over and over. We need guys to do their job, not try to do too much. That's not necessarily directed at Corey Foreman. But if you're not practicing, they're not going to play you. And that's been the same repeated thing over and over again when the discussion of Corey Foreman comes up. Um, so you know he's got to get in practice. He's got to be able to get in there and do his assignment in practice so that he can earn those playing time that playing time. Um, during a game, I know that's something that USC fans clamored for forever, saying that Clay Hilton played favorites or whatever, and people should earn their playing time. Then when it's a, a five-star freshman, you go, no, that guy needs to be in there anyways, right? No, you got to earn it, and that's, yeah. that's what they want him to do. They're trying to get him to grow up as a player, as a student, as a student of the game. And they need him to be in practice so that he can see those different things and pick up those small keys that can help you be really good. And when he's been in there, like he chased down one from behind, right, on one play. But then I think two plays later was the long touchdown run, and he had a I, I, Maybe it was the play before that he had a chance to make a tackle, and he, he went, you know, inside, and the guy went outside or something like that. So, you know, those are the things that maybe you see in practice that, that he's not getting, and that's what they want. Um, and also the fact that he's backing up Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson's going to play a ton of snaps, right? Yeah. So he's going to be in there in certain packages, their pass rush package. They didn't force a ton of third and longs in this game, so that's part of the reason why he didn't play, uh, you know, a, a bunch. But he did get some, you know, he gets into the flow of the game some, but then he also is in on that pass rush package as well.
3: I saw Hunter Eccles in a bunch. I think it uh, looked like. Real, real and Hunter Eccles year. played
2: pretty well. I think. Uh, you know, I know he really graded out well last week. I, I glanced at the the early PFF grades. Obviously, they they update them later in the week after they get a more thorough look at it. Um, but they were one a ton of good grades. In case you were not surprising. Yeah, but, You know, yeah. on either side of the ball.
1: All right. Let's run through one more caller in the queue, and then we'll get into some listener questions. I believe it's Tyler from Pennsylvania. Hello, you are live on television.
5: Hello, my qu-
1: I love the show, but my question is:
5: Do you think it's too early for Dave Aranda this type of job
3: from Baylor? Hey, uh, is it Tyler? Tyler, yes. Tyler, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for the call. I, I mean, I like Dave Aranda a lot. If you read Dan Weber's column from last week, he's very high praise for. Miranda Baylor end up losing uh, this weekend. Would they lose to Iowa State? No, no, Iowa State beat Texas. Baylor lost to... TCU. TCU, oh yeah, we fired their coach and stuff. 3-5 yep. um, and five TCU. I think it's tough. Like, I think there would be... It could be a good hire. Like, if Mike Bowen and Brandon Sosna did a bunch of research and they were like, he's the guy that's going to bring USC to the promised land, I would believe him. I would trust him. Um, I just think it might be a tough sell. Because he's not been a head coach for that long. There is a relationship there. They tried to hire him as defensive coordinator a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, when he won, you know, he won that national championship at LSU. Ended up going to Baylor uh, instead to become the head coach. Like, if it's three years from now and he's still on that trajectory, yeah, I think for sure. I think it just might be tough because he just hadn't been head coach that long.
2: I would disagree because I think he's proven himself as an offense. I mean, as a defense coordinator. So, you know, he's, he's really good there. And then I think in the year and a half, he's shown that he knows what he's doing as a head coach. True. And maybe he's learning the job. And, you know, and depending on how he interviews and everything else, all the other information they're gathering, if that's the guy, I think that he could be a legit candidate there. And I don't think that would be a terrible hire. Um, now, it's a couple other guys, Matt Campbell or the PJ Flex, or those guys have a little bit more experience. But how long has Matt Campbell been a head coach versus? Uh, Dave Aranda, yeah, I think he's at like five years at, at Iowa State. Is that is five years a huge difference from two years? I, I think you show your stripes in those first couple of years, and we know he recruits well from his LSU days. So I think that Baylor program is only going to continue to get better um, and and be a challenger in the Big Twelve, especially when they lose Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, you know that that could be the power power uh, team in that conference. Then
3: yeah, and I, I mean the good thing is because if you look at hired coordinators before. If you want to hire, it, like he's one of the best coordinators that was around, right? Like he, like yeah. he was the most one of the most highly regarded defensive coordinators there is. So that's good. And then he showed promise as a head coach, so that's good. So that's what was, if they do, you know, they interview him, they do research, they feel like he can be the right guy. Like I said, I would have confidence in him. I feel like they might it might be a tough sell to the general fan base
2: but you know uh, my bad Matt Campbell I forgot that he coached at Toledo for a couple of years before Iowa State I think he, he's been at Iowa State since 2016 so I think I was on five years there but okay. he had a couple of years before Toledo as well so he had a little bit more experienced than I remembered
1: all right let's jump into some questions and I cannot believe we haven't brought up I I think maybe the most important thing of the game the fox <laughs> I mean <laughs> what a, eventful time that fox was so exciting <laughs> shock were you in that end zone <laughs>
2: Unfortunately I was on the other end because USC was driving the other way. They were about at midfield. So I had already gone to the other end, but terrific agility. Um, you know <laughs>
1: red zone efficiency. He was
2: in the end zone. I mean great hops as well. You know, just strict straight athleticism. He,
3: he could turn on a dime. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs>
2: athleticism uh, off the charts. I mean,
3: he was running so we're in the press box. It's like I don't know how many stories up, but we are super high. Like you're basically looking straight down on the field. And like there was a play going on, it was like a fourth down play or something. Like USC went for it on fourth down, I think it didn't get it. Like the fox was running, like in the, like <laughs> yeah. it was like in the back of the play. So if you're, you know, we're in the press box, it's going this way. Like USC is going this way, like near midfield. The fox is on this side, and it's like stuff going on, and everyone's like paying attention to this. And USC is like going for it on fourth down, not getting it, and then Arizona State gets the ball, and like the fox is still running around. It leaped up in the stands, ran up the the tunnel, and like, like we're like. I'm following it. The binoculars, me and Chris are up there like, um, and then somehow it gets back down and I filmed it pretty good. I think he put it up on our TikTok account or whatever. And, uh, it was kind of sure funny. You guys are
2: following that as well. Yeah. At the
3: peristyle. Uh, we're trying to get the TikTok thing going, but yeah, it went in the corner and then like, ran at the tunnel. It was like, that was pretty, uh, and then we're like, Chris goes, there's a cat on the field. I'm like, what? And we're like, like that's not a cat. And then some people are like, is that a coyote? Like, that is not a coyote. That's <laughs> we a, this discussed a this
2: on the, on the, the car cast. Chuck,
1: yeah, and, uh, yeah. Mark wants to know what's the initial
2: PFF grade yeah, for the boss. I mean, it's got to be 99. Out. Yeah. The thing 99, is, nine. so you start at a 60, and then you know, the more <laughs> the more consistent your play is, high-level play. Mm. He was only out there for a few plays, so <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. it was like a 74.8. Mm. If he would have played some more snaps, you know, I could see him definitely getting up there in the 90 range. You know, he ended Fell caliber. Yeah. You know, I nice. always saw from those couple of wow. plays. It legit. <laughs>
1: those Fox <laughs> prospects. All righty. We had a question from John who said, uh, it seems like the d- defensive problems are more than just execution. Do you agree that the defensive schemes have been wrong or at least poorly timed?
3: I don't know about wrong or poorly timed. It's just, I mean, it's like a, there's a system in place, right? Like you're running the system and there's a lot of moving pieces to the system. There's the coaches and you change the big part of the system by the head coach going away. You got these players, and you know there's some deficiencies there. It just seems like it's a machine that there's all these different parts, and like this probably needs a little oil here, and this needs this bolt needs to be tightened there. It, and it's it's like working, but it's not really working very well, and it just seems like that's what's going on. There's just like a lot of little things going. You need this to be humming. This you want this you want to turn the turn the car over, and it sounds like a Lamborghini, You're like right? like it just it sounds like it's awesome, like. It does not sound like that right now. It's like, oh, that's a little clunky, or I think you're using the wrong gas, and like, oh, you should tighten that down. Like, That's what, to me, it just, just seems like there's a system, and sometimes it's like going okay, you're on the freeway, and it's, it's going fine, but then other times you're breaking down, and the turn signal's not working, and I don't know. There's just a lot of little problems with this. It. like, you want this to be a well-tuned machine, and it's nothing close to that right now.
2: I mean, I felt the defense was good last night outside the tackling now. You take away that and you know what is in the defense really, but they were in the right place. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like they were being out schemed, there weren't any wide open guys running down, except for maybe that wheel route where Drake Jackson was playing and uh Dante Williams was screaming at him to get his eyes out of the backfield. If you're in coverage, you gotta cover. So besides that one, that was really the only wide open guy that I can remember off the top of my head. The rest of the time, guys are covered. The runs, you know, the Rashad White did a really good job of being patient and waiting for something to now USC that means they probably need to be getting some more penetration. They were blitzing a lot. The touchdown run uh, where Chase Williams missed the tackle was straight up the middle and then missed the tackle. You know, they had been bringing Greg Johnson off the edge with some success, slowing down their runs. But if you do something consistently over and over, you know, teams going to We're going to see that, yeah. And, you know, if one. He that, was
3: untouched on that one, I think.
2: He, yeah, he didn't get touched. Uh, and that's part of that is the linebackers, they're in the center of the field. You know, someone's supposed to be taking up that gap in, in the middle. I don't know if someone got out of place. Someone just got blocked really well. And then your safeties are the top end defenders for a reason. They have to stop that. That can be a 15 yard run and you can be disappointed that you give up a 15 yard run, but it can't be a, whatever it was, touchdown or 47 yard touchdown or whatever. That was, that was bad.
1: We had a question from Kenneth who said, do you think the run to grass concept has hurt wide receiver development? USC's wide receivers can't win at the line of scrimmage or at the top of routes to get separation because they're not required to. I hope that makes sense. He says.
3: I haven't heard the run to grass thing for a while. I did not seeing it yesterday. Did he?
2: he? I thought he did. Oh, Shadi, you're did. in that with me. I don't um, I don't
3: listen to a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs> wow. Just um, kidding. No, it, yeah. Uh, it, I, I don't know if it's hurt the development. That, that's an interesting question. It's a very interesting question. I, I think I'm actually going to have to think about that one for a little bit. But the run to grass concept, were, that's what's interesting. This air raid offense is supposed to be. It was created for teams with less talent, right? Well, USC doesn't have the talent at wide receiver that they had two years ago. They don't have four wide receivers out there that are NFL guys. That was the case two years ago. Now their one true wide, you know, first potential first round pick is out. So is someone else going to step up? Are you going to do some different things? Are you going to run this system to the way? And that's the thing. It's supposed to be this well system. You don't run a ton of plays, but you run them so well. And I don't know if maybe. And I get your guys' thoughts on this, but maybe it's they've started introducing so much, so many more new things because you know they said they lacked creativity, and Clay McGuire came in, so they're going to do some different things in short yardage situations. Maybe they've, you know, that playbook's gone from two pages to twenty pages or whatever, and so now they're just they don't, you know, every Tuesday we see them installing new stuff each week, right? And that's how an offense normally works, but this offense is supposed to be we run our stuff, we run our stuff, we run our stuff. And we run it so well that no one can stop it. So maybe they're just not as crisp on everything as they, you know, a Michael Crabtree, Graham Harold, a Michael Crabtree Texas Tech air raid offense is. I don't know if that's the, the root cause or what. There's just not a lot of wide open guys, uh, whether it be in holes in the zone, finding that green grass, or, you know, they're not getting the guys over the top of the defense. You know, even when they. You know Taj Washington and Gary Bryant when they run those deep routes, they need to have that separation so you can throw it out in front of them instead of it being a jump ball. Those aren't jump ball guys. Kyle Ford is a jump ball guy. Yeah. Drake London's a jump ball. They guy. threw up some
3: jump balls that were Malcolm
2: not. Epps. Those guys need to be, and you should be able to create that because you run all those short routes all the time. You run the slants, and Taj Washington's gonna open those slants, and you run a slant and go, and suddenly he should be wide open. And they're not getting those wide open shots down the field. They did against Arizona. That was the Gary Bryant touchdown. Wide open, right? He didn't have to jump up and try to catch that over somebody. But that's not consistently in this offense, and I think that's one of the big issues. You're not consistently getting those deep threats, and you're not throwing the jump balls to the right guys.
3: Yeah, and if you're getting if, – if Gary Bryan or that you're pushing the defense deep and you're not getting separation, at least you should be creating some space that some yeah. of the guys underneath yep. can Great get open. Point. And we're just not seeing – we're just not seeing that. So, yeah, I'm not seeing the whole run to grass thing. There's just not a lot of grass that they're <laughs> running. They run to coverage right now, it seems.
2: And that That's the whole thing when they, get, they struggle going to the red zone and stuff is that, okay, the field shrinks, it compacts, and now there's not as much grass. But even last night, just without Drake London, the offense completely changes. I don't know. Maybe it was just a – You know, kind of a growing pains game. You know, we got to figure out how to play without Drake London. We got to figure out what call plays we can call, all that type stuff. And maybe they look better in the next couple weeks. I hope they do because it did not look good last night, and it was hard to watch at times. And the team just wasn't—they don't—they're not playing to their individual players' uh, potential, and that's the disappointing thing I think for USC fans. Besides the fact when you don't win, but just seeing players that you know have talent. But just the the entirety of the team is not playing to that individual talent.
1: I got a question from JY on YouTube who said, do you guys see Graham Harrell getting a Power 5 OC gig after this season?
2: So there were some, I guess
3: you guys were talking about, there was some tweet that he could have been uh, interviewed for the Texas Tech head coaching job potentially. Um, His, I mean, the stock for Graham Harrell is not high right now. I don't see him getting... Uh, it's not going to be a... USC's offensive coordinator job is not going to be a stepping stone. We've seen great, like Clay Helton step way down to go to Georgia Southern from USC. I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think you're going to get... Um, I don't think you're going to get a good offensive coordinator job in the Power Five. Like, I think it's going to be more of a maybe lower Power Five team. Um, You know, would you want to be the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech again? So, I mean, not... He wouldn't do it again, but go back to Texas Tech. Or... Or a group of five. I don't know. I just don't. The way he's run this offense this year, I don't see him getting some kind of great gig. If you were talking about 2019, yeah, he was a hot name. I don't think he's a hot name right now.
2: Yeah, I think there's going to be some rehabilitation needed for his his reputation as an offense coordinator when they're scoring 16 points.
3: He scored 16 points against a team in turmoil. Good defense, but a team in turmoil.
2: I mean, they scored 40 points, what, twice this season? But, I mean, just the consistency's not there. You know, the fact that they can't finish in the red zone. Um, you know, even with North Texas, his teams were more fluid and more consistent. And that's that's been an issue at USC.
1: Fluid is a good way to describe it. What a question from TMAC who said, Washington and Oregon State have fired some of their assistant coaches. Will USC do the same on this lame duck crew or ride it out?
3: Uh, no, I don't think so. Because there's really nothing you can do at this point. Um, I mean, it's three games left. I get it. Like, your Oregon State. You got to move on. J- you know, Jonathan Smith, that people think very highly of him. Uh, they fire their defensive coordinator. But that's – you're kind of building on the future for that. For USC, like, you're – I mean, you literally are rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, there's only three games left. You have an interim head coach. Like, if you fire Todd Orlando or you fire Graham Harrell, like, who does that benefit? Like, what do you do? Like, you're just promoting someone that's going to run their system anyway. Um, you know, Dante Williams. You want him to take over the defense too and add more to his dues. I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it would make much sense at this point. You did the main thing. You hi- you fired the head coach. So I know people want to fire more guys, and I'm not saying there's other people on the staff that deserve to be fired. I think that's true, but I don't think you're going to see that.
2: Yeah, I don't think so.
1: We had a question on Facebook from Paul, who is very frustrated to see Drake Jackson in coverage. He thinks Orlando should be fired for that alone. <laughs>
3: Yeah, what was that? Pl- so I think people were commenting because they they must have mentioned it on the TV broadcast.
2: It's but, usually,
1: what you know. happens when there's a flood of the same comments? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think people have seen when Drake London goes in coverage. I had a, a bigger issue in the Arizona game, and I had it on film studies of when he they actually split him out. Uh, you know, he was. To come up to the line, when they drop him to coverage, usually it's supposed to be as a surprise to the other team against uh, Arizona, the one he gave up down the sideline, and they punched him in on the very next play, was he split out and covered the guy, so he's basically playing a cornerback spot, even though it was a, you know, he's up against the tight end, and it's, a, you know, to the to the boundary, so it's much tighter to the line of scrimmage, but... It's supposed to be a surprise. the 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 whole idea and the reason why they've done it and it's been successful at times this season is that Drake is athletic enough that he can go out and cover an area, you know, an area of the field. He drops to a shallow zone, and you know he's not necess- he's not usually lined up one on one with a guy. Every once in a while, with a tight end or something, he should be athletic enough to cover that guy. But the idea is that he's going to be at the line of scrimmage, and teams are so focused on him. If they're going to be keeping an extra tight end in or running back, you know, an extra defender is going to be keyed on him plus the tackle, so then when he takes one step, the tackle is committing to him, the running back's looking over to him, and they're going to blitz from the opposite side, so blitz and, and you know attack the weak side of a defense, and then he's going to drop into coverage, and usually it's you know in, closer to the boundary instead of the field, so he has less space to cover. It's not a terrible plan, but having him out this – this particular play, he was out to the field. He ended up with a running back and they, I think they ran a wheel route. I, have to, I haven't really I haven't been able to watch the game outside of on a phone as we were driving, so um, haven't got to check it all out. But it's not a great coverage for him. And they should have burned him, but it was a bad throw from Jaden Daniels. And you can get away with things like that when the quarterback can't make the throws that he needs to make. So USC got away with that one, but that's not something that you ideally want to see him out in that much space trying to cover someone. And that was also on him because he was looking into the backfield, looking at Jaden Daniels instead of taking care of his coverage responsibility. So that was what they were screaming at him from the sideline on that play.
3: I would say similar to like, hey, you're not doing enough on offense that you can get fancy and run a two quarterback system. You're not doing well enough on defense that you're gonna do something fa- Like sounds like a great plan. <laughs> you know what? You got a great pass rusher? Let him rush the path. Like if you're gonna be way better on defense and you wanna do some like cool stuff, like oh, we're zone blitzing this, that blah, 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 like, sure, fine. You're pretty terrible on defense right now. You've given up huge amount of points to all kinds of teams with bad offenses. You can't do that kind of stuff. So I think you get to get back to basics. And like you got Drake Jackson who's a great pass rusher. Have them rush the passer.
2: Okay, so that that's a thought, and I think USC started the season and had a lot of different looks, a lot of variety, and they felt like okay, it's it's not working. We're we're putting too much on the players, so yeah. let's scale it back and be more basic. And then teams are like, okay, we know exactly what defense they're going to run. Here's how we attack each one of their defenses. So it's a give and take, um, and you can say, yeah, you have the pass rusher, so let him rush the passer, and don't blitz or anything. But how much pressure are they getting? Mm-hmm. How many times did pressure Jaden Daniels? I haven't. I mean, PFF, I can look up the you know pressures that they have on their initial watch, but it wasn't many. Um, you know, he wasn't under duress constantly. Now, maybe that was part of their plan to keep him in the pocket, just force him to be a passer because he didn't look good. Actually, very. I'm very disappointed in the development of Jaden Daniels. Um, one, just because he's a, he's a great kid, uh, watching him at Cajon and seven on seven teams and stuff. And going at that freshman year, he was really good. Yeah. And he is definitely you know regressed at, at ASU. He had seven touchdowns and now seven interceptions. Um, whereas the freshman year, he set their school record for uh, attempts without an interception. So d- disappointed in that one. But he did not look very good. No. So make him throw the ball. And maybe that was their plan. But they didn't get a bunch of pressure. They weren't, you know, he wasn't being harassed a bunch or anything. So maybe their idea was. We'll drop into the coverage, bring someone from the weak side and try to get a free run at the quarterback and get some pressure on him because we're not getting pressure with our front four.
1: All righty. It is the top of the hour. I'm going to jump into our caller queue and then get some questions out of the way after that. Let's go to our first caller in the queue. It's Mike from Silver Lake. Hello. What's your question for the team?
5: Hello. How are you? Uh, this goes first to to Ryan. Ryan, earlier... Uh you said you wanted them to stop basically running the ball and go back to passing all the time. When when several day several uh, games before you were saying they were passing too much, they got to put a put a run game in. Doesn't they you don't they use uh, RPOs uh, so they can mix both the pass and the run. They have a good passer, they have a very strong runner. I couldn't see why they can't do more RPOs. Secondly, uh, regarding the the divide, I mean, I think it would be natural that uh, with the, the coaches fired, it seems to me that there would be this huge split in the coaching staff. And therefore, you get to get miscommunications. So I don't find that as being basically, you know, very strange. I think it's probably almost natural. And thirdly, I was looking for for this uh, tunnel vision last Sunday, and you weren't on. And I'm curious as to why you didn't have the show last Sunday. Thank you very much. You people do a
3: great job. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mike. It It was was Halloween.
3: Halloween. And it was Arizona. So it was like, "Mm, meh. Okay, I'm not saying that USC should stop running the football and I'm saying you're you're playing a game and ASU is completely stopping the run and shutting things down. The only, The only effective way you're gonna move the ball is by throwing the football. You throw the football. I watched Arizona State. Jane Daniel was not very effective throwing the football. Um, I think I tweeted that out like Arizona State should not throw the football again. And within five minutes, he threw a pick. And everyone's like, you were right. You were right. I'm like, yeah. Because Richard White was just running all over USC. I don't think Arizona State needed to change their offense or USC needed to change their offense. But sometimes you're watching the flow of the game and you're just like, okay, they can have some effect doing this and not doing that. So stop doing that and do this. And USC had that one third and six run conversion. Do you remember that? And they ran the ball, a little draw play to, uh, I think it was Vavai. Uh, okay, Vi. And they picked it up. And then they're like, oh, they, they, I think they got a little confident. Um, it's like the kid, you know, in Little League who's probably not a home run hitter. And he hits that home run. And he's trying <laughs> to hit a home run every time. Like, well, then they started doing that again. They, third and eight, they tried to run. Like, no, that didn't work. And they just started, like, get, relying on it. Like, Arizona State was gearing up to stop the run. So I'm not saying they should have stopped, you know, they shouldn't run the football anymore. I'm just saying, in that game, it wasn't working. Throw the damn ball and figure out what you can do.
2: They need to run the ball, though. I mean, the RPOs, you know, are something that you you do. But they did those. The big thing in this game is, and what USC I think we'll see the next three weeks is, they were said, okay, you got what three receivers on the field and the tight end. All right, we're gonna put seven guys in the box. Then we'll let those guys go one on one. I I have to watch and see if it was zero coverage or cover one over the top. Can you beat any of those guys? And that's the thing when Colorado went to man-to-man, when Washington State went to -to man-to-man, what happened? They got torched, because Drake London's really good. Yeah, And you throw that one-on-one ball up on the edge, and the safety can't get over there. And we pointed out in the Colorado film study, is how he opened up things for other guys, like Michael Trigg, you know, Drake London makes a bunch of catches, so now the safety's playing its cover one, but the safety's playing way closer, further over towards Drake London's side, and that leaves a ton of space on the other side for Michael Trigg to run a one-on-one. He wins a one-on-one. Neither one of those guys are out there. Can someone win one-on-one matchups? Now, Taj Washington was able to get open on some slants and a couple other things, but just consistently, there wasn't separation. There weren't guys wide open. It's not like the quarterbacks were missing throws. It's not like they had, you know, you laid a out there and like, hmm, do I want to throw this guy, this guy, this guy, or this guy? Because they have all these options. It's that guy's covered, that guy's covered. That I got to scramble, get out of the pocket. Now is there something else? That was way too common of an issue. And teams are going to continue to sack the box and say, well, we'll, stay, we'll stop the run until you prove that you can beat us one-on-one, which they did against Colorado. Colorado made an adjustment. So then, you know, they... Put five in the box. So then USC got chunk yard after chunk yard and chunk. Yard. That's when your offense is rolling. That's what you do. You do the defense tries to make an adjustment. And you're like, okay, whatever. We'll just do this other thing and we'll get chunk yards. You get know, chunk yards over chunk yards. But right now USC can't win those one on one matchups outside, and that's going to be an issue. Um, so if they don't find someone or a way to scheme guys open, whether it be rub routes or bunch routes or something different they're going to see the same thing the next three games. You know, Teams are just going to load the box and say, stop Keontae Ingram. That's the main focus. As long as we do that, then we can stop this offense, and they're, they're probably right.
1: All right, let's move on to our next caller who is live. What's your question for the team?
4: Oh, hi, gang. This is Smooth Jazzman from Thousand Oaks. Woo, I love that. I'm a Notre Dame alum. I'm a Notre Dame alum and fan, and I will be until I go to the other side of the dirt. Okay, I love our 24-7 guys, Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester. They do a great job, but I actually love you guys, too. I listen to your podcasts and broadcasts a lot. You guys are fans, but not homers. Okay, and that's great. Keeley, uh, props to you for a great nickname for Shoddy. That just seems to really, really fit. I don't know why, but uh, props to you. Ryan, I'm glad to see you called out. Uh, Dante Williams today in your column. I think he's been getting way too much of a pass. Um, all he needed to be was a caretaker from when Clay got rolled. And I don't think he has been. I, I think the program today is solidly worse than the day Helton got rolled. And so, um, you know, part of it is the accountability problem. Uh, every time nobody seems to know who's really making the call, is he in charge or not in charge? Say you're in charge and get over Harrell or say you know, you're acquiescing to what Harold's doing. But everybody's like, well, you know, I don't know this, I don't know that. So anyway, I was just curious if you think that the program is worse off uh, having had Dante Williams, and that's not going to be the biggest deal. But I think it's worse off since he's come in.
3: I think it's a great point. And uh, the thing is, yes, he was put in a very tough situation. He's never been a coordinator before. I think being the caretaker was probably the way to go. It seems like he's tried to go in and make some changes and make some decisions and do some things, which, you know, if you're, someone makes you the CEO of this company, you're like, Hey, I want to put my own stamp on this thing. And you know, if you've never been a CEO before, you might make some mistakes. I feel like Dante Williams has made some mistakes. If he gets a pass, um, I mean, I think people have been critical. We try to ask tough questions, but it's because like, you know, he really was just thrust in this role. No one was expecting him to be a great head coach, but I think yesterday was the first time I really felt if Clay Hilton was the head coach, USC definitely wins the game, and they didn't. Um, you know, you could have argued the Washington State game if Clay Hilton's head coach, that maybe USC doesn't come back. I don't know. I mean, you know, Dart comes in or whatever, but I, I I feel like if USC had Clay Helton as the head coach there, they would have won. Not arguing the fact that Clay needed to go and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like this has been... Well managed, and I feel like in the beginning, he could do some things and make some changes and get it to work. It's sort of like now it's just like it's you know it's like there's avalanche coming down, but it's like it's not a one big ball. it's like broken up into pieces and it's just kind of scattering everywhere, and it's really hard to kind of group everyone back in everyone's sort of everyone's kind of on their own path, like I said before, when you're like rowing and no one's rowing in the same direction. And it's just hard. It's hard to keep it. You're you're trying to like herd all these people together, all these mindsets, all these ideas, and it's just everyone's kind of going their own way. Especially the closer we get to the end of the season, that you know a lot of these coaches aren't going to be back, and a lot of the players could be thinking about transferring or whatever. Uh, I think it gets you know exponentially more difficult to kind of keep everything together. So I think it could have been the caretaker. Um, but things sort of got fractured and they've continued that way. I don't think the two quarterback thing helped. It probably made things even more fractured and that's sort of where we are right now. You need I mean it's a cultural ball team. There's 120 guys and they're all different personalities and all that stuff. But you know, Nick Saban's got Alabama. They're a, they're a team. Like they are one. And it's just not that way at USC right now.
2: Yeah, and it'd be much easier to be a caretaker at Alabama after Nick Saban, right? After everything that's happened in the last five years at USC,
3: right? Yeah. You're, it, now, if you took over for a great coach, it's fine. Like you took over for a terrible coach because yeah, Miami things were already fact, you know, like
2: yeah, the Miami team that won championships in early, early odds. I can't Jim Coker or Larry Coker, Larry, Larry Coker. Coker taking over like not a great head coach, but took over program was in great shape. Going forward, they still want to national
3: Barry so, Switzer so. did it, you know. Like, yeah. And he's a
2: good coach, though. So. <laughs> That's yeah, all right. righty.
1: okay. I just gotta say I love y'all, but please ask a question soon when I bring you up. <laughs> That's all I ask, please. Also, I would like to have like a pie chart of the crossover between Notre Dame fans that watch Tunnel Vision. I thought it would be interesting. and it's cool. Yeah, we love so, it's a great it It's great
3: though when we have fans of other yeah, programs no, we love, that we watch we our love, show. You know,
1: we love the crossover. righty. let's go to our next caller in the queue. Hello, you are live on Tunnel Vision.
0: Hi, I'm Rupert. I'm another big Notre Dame fan. or am obsessed with USC. And so my question for Ryan and, and Shotgun and Keeler, and I'm going really quick here so I don't get in trouble. Uh, where does USC rank in the Pac-12? Thank you.
3: Thanks. Um, another Notre Dame fan. <laughs> this is crazy.
1: Notre Dame uh, alum I'm... of the South Bend or high school? Not sure.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to tell Tim Priester over there and those guys to mm-hmm. uh, they gotta do a live show because there, there's obviously uh, an audience that Notre Dame people are in there. Um, I, so I think last week we had USC ninth in our, for the PAC 12 power rankings in our podcast of champions, uh, rankings. Um, it's tough. Cause like, there's a lot of teams that are just pretty bad down the bottom. Uh, I think Washington, I think, you know, you can't be, uh, uh, below Arizona, Colorado, and probably like Washington at this point, Cal might've bumped up there, but you know, we'll see. Um, I mean, if they're, if they're going to have 25 guys out or whatever for COVID protocols and USC, will probably kill them like Arizona won, but uh, I'm guessing like ninth or so right now, which is not, I was going to ask Dante Dante Williams this today. I'm like, you know, you, you know, you recruited all these guys, you know, this roster. Do you think this is a five loss team when you look at the players? And uh, I just don't think it is, but they are right now. And it's probably going to be more.
2: The answer is not at the top. And that's why it's unacceptable. (laughs)
3: I like that. That's succinct.
1: Alrighty. Uh, We have a final caller in the queue. Now, if it's what if their topic is what I think it is, Ryan, you need to uh, close your ears. Hold on if I can actually find my live. uh, There we go. Alrighty. You are live on television. Hello.
0: Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I want... This is Bobby in LA. Bobby! And I'm calling... Good, good evening, gents and, and, lady. I want to ask Ryan for big permission. <laughs> Ryan, the food analogy is, is when you can't get your staple in, sometimes you have to go to your second choice. We shotgun there and who's the best NCAA basketball reporter.
5: <laughs> you have true. a team that, has,
0: you have a basketball team that has three, who is third in the most wins. They got coming off in the Elite Eight. They have the fourth best recruiting class next year for 2020, 2022. Can we, can we pretty please have shotgun get five minutes uh, tunnel vision for basketball?
3: Hell to the no.
2: <laughs> five minutes.
1: Okay, Bobby, I'll give you, I'll give you a minute. Yeah. I'll bargain on that. Shoddy, take it away.
2: Yeah, yeah, USC, yeah what's going on? USC basketball opens up on Tuesday. They have their home opener. If you guys you know, are basketball fans or watched the Elite Eight run last year, wished you could have made it to a Galen Center to see an Evan Mobley game, I'm sorry, you won't see him. But uh, uh, big brother Isaiah has taken his game to another level. He's the captain on the team, back with Ethan Anderson again. Ethan Anderson has really slimmed down his body, uh, and he's been really pushed by Boogie Ellis. I think your only two guys in that starting five – that are locked in are Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Mobley. And that's because they are, this is the deepest team that Andy Enfield's ever had at USC. Now, obviously, they got to replace the star power, Evan Mobley. He does so much on both ends of the court. You're seeing it with the Cavs right now. He's putting up ridiculous numbers for them at 26 points tonight. Um, but, they have a really deep team. They have some veteran guys. They got Isaiah uh, White back. They got Chavez Mo- uh, Chavez Goodwin back. Those are two very old guys uh, as graduate transfers that came in last year. So a lot of talent on this team. And if they come together, they got some young young guys as well. Malik Thomas, Reese, Sticks, and uh, Waters that could provide you know a, an interesting dynamic of uh and a roster it's gonna they're really been fighting for positioning during uh fall camp I got a chance to watch a few of their practices did some ghost notes and stuff on them uh, but should be a really fun team to watch they open on tuesday and as bobby mentioned the number four recruiting class in the in the, the number four 2022 recruiting class because usc just picked up another four-star commitment from trey white a shooting guard over the weekend he's got to learn though so you got to You know, if you're going to a school that also likes football, make your commitment during the week, in the middle of the week, (sighs) instead of on a Saturday. Uh, But no, Trey White's going to come in another big, uh, big time pickup for them there to go along with two five-stars or a five-star, a former five-star, because Johnny Wright has moved down a little bit because he hadn't played a ton, Um, but a, a really intriguing recruiting class, and that's the thing that Andy Enfield and that staff have done really well recently is they've continued to recruit, continue to recruit, and develop players. They played really well last year, a team that will play defense, and they should be pretty interesting on offense as well this year, but we'll see how they uh, how they gel. And it starts on Tuesday.
3: I, Bobby, I actually wrote a war room piece about basketball, <laughs> so I did a little basketball stuff. I did, I got to see. Uh Mobley live uh at the Lakers game a couple weeks Look ago it so was good yeah so I talked a little basketball but that's enough we'll we move on from that. <laughs> well
1: we got it we got in some basketball yeah. so thanks Bobby for that all right let's jump in back into questions Brighton said uh Kyle Ford had two receptions for 24 24- yards yikes why not just Drake London him quote-unquote and have him go up for 50-50 balls
3: they didn't play him that much too like it was hard like where's he on the field he wasn't on the field a ton. Um They mixed it around a little bit, like we saw Joseph Manjack get like two catches in a row. It just seemed like you sort of like, oh, uh, let's go to him today, or now let's go to him. Like it just it was kind of weird. Like there wasn't, and and part of it's going to be where you've got quarterbacks coming in. You're 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 like a a receiver. You're like, hey, I want to try to get the rhythm of the game. Well, maybe I was like buddying up with Keaton Slovis, and we're like, oh, we're in like what a good spot. Like oh, I'm not in, and Keaton's in. And then, oh, I get in the game. It's like, oh, Dart's in. Well, I didn't really talk to him this week much. And, you know, I, I feel like you're going to hurt the chemistry a little bit as well uh, when you're moving the quarterbacks in and out with some of the receivers that are trying to find their own way too. So just seemed like everyone was trying to find their own way and, and no one got there.
2: <laughs> I mean, he played about 25 snaps somewhere around there. Um, he had some other opportunities that he didn't take advantage of. You know, they had the, one, the final three and out. First play, Slovis scrambles to his right, throws it to Kyle Ford, catches it and took like two steps and the ball popped out and they called it incomplete pass. Uh, they got to hold on to it. I mean, I thought it was a catch and a fumble, but um, so just got to make the most of your opportunities. That's what he's done so far earlier this season. Not as much yesterday, but that's something, you know, during practice this week, if he can make the most of them, he should be a guy that should be in that rotation regularly. Uh, the fact that he uh, had 25 um 25 snaps tells you he's getting more playing time with Drake London out. Now, Michael Jackson also got around 20 snaps. And Kai, and Joseph Manjack got some more snaps than he has been getting the last few games. So those those snaps are being spread out. But So whoever's going to step up and make some catches, I think that's who will you know, eventually take over more and more of those reps.
1: We've got a YouTube question from Jasper Smith who says, What players on this current roster will mo- most likely transfer to Georgia Southern? If you didn't know that's where Clay is. Yeah, uh, we
2: kind of mentioned this the other day. Like, know no any players? Like directly off the top of my head, but the category of players, I think, is what we could probably get better. Rather than saying, "Oh, that player, that player, and that player," they, you know, they're big Clay Hilton guys, and they're going to go. But the category is new coach comes in from USC, or you know, people are just fed up with what's going on here, and either you got your degree already from USC, and you say, "I want playing time," you know, whether you're a backup. A third or fourth year guy and you just you haven't got any playing time yet and you say I want playing time and Clay Helton's the guy that recruited me you reach out to him and say is there an opportunity for me there and you go so I could see a couple players potentially going there just guys that are buried on the depth chart and haven't had that opportunity uh, but really were you know love Clay Helton or, you know, really appreciative of him for giving them opportunity or whatever. But it's pointing out individual and saying, that guy, that guy's not necessarily. Yeah. Know. And
3: like, even the comment Dante Williams made tonight, something about, the, you know, a couple offensive linemen got banged up and he was saying like, yeah, we had, se- I forget what it was like, something- we had seven, eight guys. and like, now we have five.
2: Yeah. They've had seven guys all season on the offense line. You yeah. know, they've had the starters and they've had Justin Dietrich to sub in at the guard positions and Jonah Monheim slash Jalen McKenzie at the tackle positions. That's it. That's all they that were going to have, um, but.
3: But there's like 19 scholarship guys. Yeah. So if you're saying we only got seven, then there's 12 guys that could potentially transfer, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing you would say. Those anyone in that group would be a potential person that could transfer,
2: especially the older guys, or even that right. 2020 group. You know, they come in and. If you're not in the mix now, are you going to be in the mix for any coaches going forward? Yeah, That's a good point. It
1: is 8-16, so we're going into ultra-rapid fire, though. Okay, load. sorry. Rapid, ultra.
2: rapid fire.
1: Yeah, that's good. Uh, we got a question from Lamont and a couple other people as well. Uh, was there any update tonight uh, on Keontae Ingram? He said last night that he rolled his ankle. He was in uh, the medical tent. Uh, did we get an update on him? I don't
2: think so. I no don't think no update. Uh, Dante Williams, as Dante Williams does, said he was dinged. He was dinged up, and they'll, they – they don't get an opportunity on Sundays. They come in for treatment and stuff, but it's not like the coaches take them out and say, all right, let's see how that ankle's going. Uh, no, on Monday when they go through their, you know, kind of a shorter lighter practice uh, that's not open to the media, they'll find out then, and then we'll see Tuesday and Wednesday when we get out there if they're doing much. But no update. I'd expect him to be okay. Um, I don't think it was anything serious. He was able to come back, and he played that that final three and out with Keaton Slova, so – now maybe he was only being a decoy in there. I don't you know. To say, "Oh, 28's in there. Watch him." Uh, but he was he was back in there. Yeah.
1: I'm curious if it's that same ankle that happened in Fall Camp because Mike Dinks was just talking about how he got he's now 100% healthy from that injury, so hopefully it's not a re-injury in that sense. We got a question on Facebook from Jeff who said, "If the two quarterbacks are even, how far back is Miller Moss from playing?"
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean it's not like I mean, he was there with Dart, but I think it's pretty clear they like Dart, and Slovis has been the starter. So I think Miller Moss will get an opportunity with the next coach, and things will be, you know, kind of a clean slate. But uh, yeah, they seem very reluctant to play him, even when Jackson Dart was out, and they were they're blowing or yeah. in a blowout situation. So
1: uh, Jasper Smith said, Will Max Gibbs move back to guard next season, considering all the seasons, excuse me, seniors in the interior offensive line."
2: I think the answer actually should come from Keely, because she asked him basically that question.
1: I don't think I asked him that specific question. but oh, I thought that was, was you. No, right. I was in that scrum, and he said he, he does still love playing guard, um, but he was like, I might be a two-way player, but it's just really fun talking to him, because he's having so much fun uh, being on the defensive side of the ball. I was like, did you expect your season to go like this? And he was like, I didn't expect to get any playing time, and here I am playing, so I thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, and continuing to get better and better each week. I uh, got his first tackle for loss yesterday, so... Uh, always fun to see him. You know, huge dude, but also someone that everyone rallies around. They love him. You know, when yeah. he makes that play. Everyone on the sideline gets hyped up and stuff. So yeah. it's fun.
1: Uh, Jamal on YouTube said, uh, "Why don't they use bunch formations?" I
2: mean, they've they've done it. Do some. Um, it's not exactly. I mean, they could do it more, sure, but it. That's usually a game plan thing uh, that they go in and like they have game plans for a bunch. Like, I remember when they they did a lot of different things against Oregon in 2019. Uh, bunch formations were one of those things. There's a lot of motion in that game, a lot of bunch of formations. They could also do a lot more with motion to try to help those smaller receivers you know, not have to deal with press coverage or to help you know, create some momentum as they're in motion for Gary Bryan or Taj Washington. So There's some other things they could definitely do.
1: We had a question on Facebook from DS who says, Air Raid doesn't work in the red zone. Shotgun from inside the 10-yard line. Put under center and bring back running back you. Uh,
2: this is just the difference in the 1970s, 1980s football and 2010 to 2020 football. Yeah, you see a lot of teams that take snaps, um, to take kneel down snaps from center. I mean, from shotgun. So it's just the way the game has developed and progressed. Whether you like it or not, that's
3: yeah. I mean, you could do some, but, but I mean, Alabama goes under the you know they they take shotgun snaps inside the ten. It's it's part of modern college football right now. But. Yep. We'll um,
2: Hey, USC did take one snap under center this season.
1: We did see it. Was it nailed,
3: what was it? A nail down?
1: Or? No, the no, quarterback it was like a, sneak. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A real okay. thing. Yeah. Oh, we got a question from Shaw on Haven't YouTube. Seen it again. Who said, Who is a better defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando or Clancy Pendergast?
3: Ooh. I mean, I think, I don't know.
2: I would say <laughs> Clancy's better in the NFL and Todd Orlando's better in college. But I also think Todd Orlando would be. I think he'd be better in, in the NFL because I think he's a very intelligent very coordinator, cerebral. cerebral, and understands. And he's put guys in position a lot. And the fact that I, I think they've had to pull things back, whereas in the NFL, I think you can put more on guys' plates over and over and over. Um, I think that he might be better suited for that. But I, I mean, that's hard to you know if you're just comparing to your USC years. Clancy Pendergast, because they did have some successes, and Todd Orlando's defense hasn't had much success this season.
1: But what's the recruiting level talent composite, would you say? It's okay. also
2: true. Um, Clancy Pendergast didn't recruit, and Todd Orlando does. Um, and Clancy. Todd Orlando hasn't had as much talent, doesn't have Leonard Williams in the middle of yeah, that line. It was, yeah, it USC true. could really use I would Leonard say, Williams yeah, I would right take now.
3: Orlando over Pendergast. And this is also like, you know, with the interim head coach, too. So there's there's that. But they've been bad. I They're mean, not
2: good. They, they could really use Leonard Williams. I they mean, could yeah. use him, yeah. Really re- Like, really? No, no, no. no like, re- like, right now, like, bringing back from the NFL Yeah. Shadi, his last year of eligibility.
1: Shadi, you said ultra rapid fire. <laughs> ultra rapid fire. <laughs> Kenneth said, assuming USC loses guys to the NFL uh, that we assume are leaving, what do y'all think of the talent the next coach will have to work with next year?
3: And so much is going to depend on transfer portal. Like, that's just... It's not going to be about attrition of guys going to the NFL. And, you know, there'll be dudes that'll leave, like the Drake Londons and, you know, maybe Keaton Slovis or whatever. But, like, there could be a bunch of guys transferring. And I I think the roster is going to look very different um, the next year. So I think it's really hard to say, speculate right
2: now. The answer is whoever gets hired better get on the recruiting trail with a quickness. Really fast. With a what, shotty? With a quickness. (laughs) With a quickness. It ain't going to be good, especially at a certain couple spots where they have struggled with recently.
1: Andrew on YouTube says, "Which unit is the biggest liability moving forward?"
2: We answered this question on some show. I, I
3: think it was last week we did this. Uh,
2: I mean, is it the wide receivers? Like, is it the linebackers? You definitely were there then because the biggest liability is the safeties. Oh we, no, we did say this. I, this was we said here. We said okay. safeties. We did is say that safeties. point
1: of the season when we don't know where. I mean, we're
3: which one, There's a lot of liabilities. Like, you know but the fact that the wide receivers weren't well separation, the biggest
2: uh, the biggest liability going forward i think that is a, a you know maybe he has the biggest liability last week and he's changed it this week um, but yeah wide receivers could be up there i think the offense line is fine even with having a couple guys out i feel comfortable with that group would not
3: put them but there yeah
2: wide receivers or linebackers linebackers still aren't making enough plays
3: the safe i mean
2: i did pull them out as a s- captain didn't start it's, but but they played all six safeties and they all played between, I think it was, 36 and 43 snaps, according to PFF. So it's true. It's a true rotation now. Even if you don't start, you're going to get in there. Now, does someone take a step forward? Is even Alfred get more snaps? I don't know. Uh, but it's, that's kind of interesting. And I asked Craig Nivar about it, and he said they want to try to keep those bodies fresh. And those young guys have made some plays, and they're giving them more opportunities. Oops, sorry, Kelly. I switched to... Uh... Questions for you. Oh,
1: you're fine. Uh, Daniel on YouTube said, "Do you think USC will find a head coach before season end or in the off season? If they cannot pull in a new head coach, do you think that will hamper recruiting?".
3: Uh, it definitely will hamper recruiting. I, f- my gut is it's going to be like first week of December, but that's just my gut. I don't know. I mean, we're not hearing like literally not hearing a word. Um. I know we get to talk to those guys, you know, talk to Mike Bone, talk to Brandon Zoss, they're just not going to tell you what's going on. And I've talked to <laughs> national reporters. Uh, there was one in the press box yesterday that was like, yeah, I tried to, try to talk to Bone. He's not saying a word. I'm like, yep, they're pretty much not saying anything. So it's like, okay, you know, that's that's fine.
1: Andrew on YouTube said, any chance when the new guy comes in, USC could lose both slowest and dart?
2: I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, if the new guy comes in and wants to run a triple option, there you go.
3: Yeah. I mean, it depends on what the system is and all that (laughs) stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, like Slovis could leave no matter what. He could transfer somewhere else. I mean, and then if something happens and Darts unhappy with the school, it doesn't matter who the coach is, he could leave. Like then you have Miller Moss all by himself. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of possibilities.
1: Uh, Roger Dodger has a question that I'm directing to the resident USC historian, which is you, Ryan Abraham. Is this the worst USC football team since the 1920s when you were about 30, right, Ryan?
3: Yeah, I was 30 then. <laughs> uh, so the worst teams I've seen, uh, the Larry Smith 3-8 and team was really bad. But that team beat Penn State, if I remember correctly. They lost to like Memphis State and then beat Penn State, I think. That was a long time ago. That was like ninety or something like that. Um, I mean, the the five and seven Clay Helton team was. I mean, they were competitive. They just lost a bunch of games in Most a row. Close games, yeah. Um, the the Hackett five and seven. I mean, had Carson Palmer and Troy Palvolo on it. You know, uh, I mean, this has to be up there with you know the utter turmoil that's going on. You know, losing your head coach for. I mean, we said this from the very beginning. You got to like fire your head coach have an interim head coach for 10 games. That's a freaking lot of time to have someone be the head coach. So I don't know. I mean, historically there's probably some older teams that I wasn't around for that, that you could compare this to, but this, and it depends how they finish. You know, if you, if you finish seven and five, no, it's not close, but if this is a four and eight team. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would definitely have to be up there. Uh, you know, Petros Papadakis was on the a last place. Pac-12 team was, well, that was the, that was the five and seven one. Right. I think, um, that was the Hackett. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty bad because they were. La- I think it was the first time USC was last place in the Pac-12 or Pac-10 back then. So he says he's the captain of the uh, worst football team in USC history. This team goes four and eight. Like I, you know, I would put it right up there with them.
2: They won't. They won't be last. They're not Arizona or Colorado, but they yeah still aren't very good.
1: Is it crazy that this team could potentially have a, a worse record than the 2018 team? Like, isn't that kind of weird?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, oof. It's uh, it's bad, but you know this is you've you've had poor leadership for so long. Like it, this is going to happen, and now you have to rely on what you hope is good leadership to to dig you out. If you saw College Game Day on Saturday, I was sent some pictures behind the scenes, Cincinnati, where Mike Bone was before. They built that up into a powerhouse. That's a you know group of five team that's you know, knocking on the door of the playoff and they had, it was packed. I mean, it looked way different than when it was, when it was over at UCLA. That's what you're hoping that Mike Bone and Brand can build that at USC. Now they're digging out of a pretty big hole that Pat Hayden and Lin Swan and, you know, Steve, I mean, not Steve Sample. Oh my God. Max Nakias. I think Steve Sample was an old wow. uh, president. Yeah. That was when I was in school. Um, they've dug a pretty big hole now, board of trustees. Like everyone, there was a lot of people that screwed their stuff up. Uh, and so we'll see if they're going to be able to build that back. But that's what you want. You want to see them build an athletic department and a football team that gets the fans. After a couple of years, you're undefeated, and college game days there, and everyone's going crazy and arguing about if you should be in the playoff or not. Like that's what you want. You want to be nationally relevant, like Cincinnati is right now. Playoff or not, they are nationally relevant, and USC certainly is not.
2: Ultra rapid
3: fire. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little mini rant.
1: But yeah, but Ryan. The difference is Ryan's the boss man. Sorry, shotgun. <laughs>
3: You can read. Rent. He reads all the time.
1: No, don't encourage that. Oh. Uh, Jordan Tr- Trud- want to know what's the status of Dart with his knee and hand. I think it'll be fine. David wanted yeah. to know will Oregon make the playoffs? No, no. Jonathan wanted to know shotgun, Zaxby's or Chick Fil A?
2: Definitely Zaxby's. Chick Fil A's fine though.
3: <laughs> Do you ever have uh with the R- raisin? I uh, know um, raisin canes. Yeah, it's
2: Chris delicious. and I had it Saturday.
3: It's, it's good. Like it's. It's,
2: a, it's not Zaxby's.
3: Oh, it's not. Okay, I had, They put one at Torrance, and I went. And the guy's like from Southern California, but then he opened one up in Louisiana. Zaxby's
2: chicken is just as good, but they also have like buffalo sauces and other things. Oh, okay,
3: Raising no. Cakes is more like like generic. Or
2: they, they are very simple with their menu. Okay. yeah. Chicken like, tenders, fries, coleslaw, Texas toast. That's it. Oh. Coley
1: said, I really like Slowest trying to take accountability, yet I feel like he places too much of the blame on himself. Am I mistaken? Is he coached to take the fall when talking to the press?
2: He's not coached to take the fall, but if he doesn't take in responsibility, then everyone's trying to go for his head, You know that he's you know, following in Graham Harrell's footsteps or whatever. Um, he's trying to do what he can. Unfortunately for him, he's not the same leader that you would need him to be. You know, with everything else that's going on around him, for him to carry this team past all the other distractions and everything else, he would need to be a much stronger leader. He's doing what he can, but I I just don't think that's his personality overall.
1: Alex said, uh, this is so painful watching USC lose. How do you guys keep doing what you do? Thank you.
2: I mean, paychecks (laughs) paychecks help. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's... Every week is a new new trip with USC. You know, unfortunately for that's that's one of the disappointing things about this season is that it's the same issues over and over. No. Because a lot of times the ups and downs of a college football season that's what's fun about it is okay. Are they going to fix this? And now they fix this. Something else come up, and like just the the wild roller coaster that a football a college football season can be, and especially in a, a conference like the Pac-12 where everyone can be up and down so much. Uh, that, that's what makes it fun to me. But unfortunately, it's been very consistent. And now, some of the things you're looking at is like, who's going to break through? Three games left. Is are some of these young guys going to finally take that step and you know take over starting roles? We've seen Kalen Bullock as a starter last week. Are there going to be more young guys coming up? And that's what I'm kind of looking for these last weeks to see. It. You know, we're seeing if USC can get bowl eligible. It would be you know, it's it's down to this. Someone said earlier, Rose Bowl's the LA Bowl, and I wanted to go. Whoa. You kind of get bowl eligible before you talk about that. Yeah. The, the inaugural LA bowl. That would be kind of fun. I haven't been to SoFi yet. So. Yeah. Me neither. True, awesome. Yeah,
1: That's a good point. Uh, Mark Watkins wanted to know if I got FOMO uh, with Kristen and live tweeting their road trip. Did they not invite you? No, that I was invited and I turned it down immediately. I think <laughs> – no, not actually immediately. But I spend a lot of time with these guys and I let the helium boys do their thing. But Schocken, did you have fun? Whatever, lady. <laughs>
2: We had a great time. Of course we did.
1: Well done. All righty, gentlemen. Any final thoughts before we wrap this show up? We did an hour and a half. Uh,
3: crazy. That was crazy. Coley actually put them on YouTube as like, hey, what would it take to get Petros on the show? Um, I put You can put it on the screen if you want to, but you don't have to. We've had him on the show. He's come on. He came on actually twice uh, during the pandemic time. Like, the, you know, we had him not in studio. And he's been in the studio before, too. So I'm friends with Petros. Like, we can we can have him on. But, you know. He likes to be very critical of the USC media. So he likes he takes shots at us, but he I talk to him. We could, you know, we're good.
1: Uh shouts to Kenneth who's watching this on East Coast time. Apologies for Oh, sorry Kenneth. that. Um, and then I thought this is an interesting comment. Oscar said for Keaton to go from a coach who is very protective of him to Dante who's trying to light a fire with competition is a
2: tough situation. And I think that's the difference in a former quarterback as the head coach versus a former cornerback as the head coach. Yeah. Where it's, you know, quarterback, there's one guy. He's going to be the guy. That's your guy. You ride with him all the time, up and down. Cornerback, it's constant constant competition. Every single snap is a competition. It's a one-on-one battle for the most part. So, yeah. So that's the difference.
3: Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to create competition in positions, that's great. But there's one position you can't do that, at least during a game, and that's quarterback. Like, there's – it's just not proven to to go well. Like you're not you're not putting Chris Steele against Isaac Taylor Stewart and figuring out who's best and switch him out and take him. Like no, you can't switch out the quarterback. That just doesn't work.
2: Ryan, how do you feel about two quarterbacks? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Terrible, oh. awful, just just awful. Like stop doing it. The Nuke Ryan
2: it. Ryan,
1: <laughs> Ryan.
3: Blow that up.
1: Rancherina. Bad decision.
3: Take your lumps. move on, and just start one of those dudes. That's it.
1: Alrighty. That's going to wrap it up for tonight's show. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, to answer Alex's question again, it's because we get to talk to you guys. Uh, thanks to everyone who is still tuning in despite how USC season is going this year. Thank we you. appreciate you guys a lot. That's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all on Thursday to preview USC's matchup against Cal on the Road. Last road game of the season. So we'll get into that. Ooh. Be sure to tune in. Alrighty. That's going to wrap it up. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.